Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast where I bring the best and the brightest from the world of business, entrepreneurship, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Folks, my guest today, Amanda Cal, award-winning author, speaker, advocate, and founder. She spent over two decades spearheading science-backed education and research to boast, bolster rewilding initiatives for horses and the environment. Really awesome stuff here. And as the founder and president of the Canna Foundation, her work to help rewild America's wild horses and lands has been championed by top magazines, women's organizations, politicians, and distinguished journalists. I'm excited to share her story. So let's get into it. Manda, welcome to the podcast. Adam, thank you for having me. Well, first and foremost, you know, I, I definitely appreciate you joining me on the show. And, um, Anybody who's in the podcast world, there are some fantastic conversations that happened before we go on the air. We were just uh, kind of uh, shooting the shit, as I like to say, about uh, both of our lack of sleep last night. Mine due to my almost four year old getting up multiple times. And Amanda has a 10 month old puppy, I believe you said. No, an eight week old puppy. Eight week old. Geez, even so we, we both have uh, young kitties in the house and um we were just kind of uh, shooting on that one for a little bit, but let's get into it. You have a fascinating story and we'll get into the, the, uh, the passion and the need for conservation around these wild horses in a little bit, but why don't you enlighten us? I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. So what I love to say, Amanda is tell us where the heck you came from. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is that book? Women are from, uh, men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Pretty much. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, I've been orbiting around someplace in the ethos until I <laughs> landed here. Literally, I am the most ungrounded person. My daughter is always giving me a hard ungrounded. time. Ungrounded. Oh, my God. I'm always tripping. There I'm not you go. paying attention. Mom, look, where are you walking? Look at your feet. But um, <clears throat> listen, you know, I like to tell everybody I'm no different than anybody else. I'm just the same as any Anybody, any nice family member, person who, who, you know, is living their life, trying to do what they do and, and sort of always, it just was never quite fulfilled inside. I never, I was always doing creative things, always around animals. I loved animals. And as a child, I used to, you know, before there were all of these computers and the technology that we have today, that is just, you know, um, just inundating our right. children. I used to spend hours outside by myself running around with my dogs. And we used to play, right? Kids used to play. I used to figure it out. You know, I didn't need to be entertained. And, but I used to find little animals, little, little baby bunnies. And, you know, it kind of sounds like Disney, but it really is kind of, it's true. And um, all I ever wanted um, was a horse. All I ever wanted in my life was, was a horse. 
And did it start out as like kind of that cliche, daddy, mommy, I want a pony for my birthday. Did it start out like that? It was more of a passion for, for a love of animals. And was it more of a pet horse or was it more of like, hey, listen, I understand that. Like, I understand, you know, the ranch. I understand the, you know, where horses like live. <laughs> right. So, well, <clears throat> what really happened was I was three and um, we lived in the city and my parents used to come out to the island on the weekends. They used to rent a little place and come out as the weekends in the summers. And we used to say, oh, we're going to the country. Of course, anybody that lived out here was like, this isn't the country. <laughs> the East right? End is a country. The East this End Long Island is a country. This is the suburb. You're in the suburb yeah. right here. So, but I was three and um, one day, one fateful day, my parents pulled over to the side of the road where there were two little ponies and pony rides on the side of the road. The little ponies were dressed up. And so for $2.50 or however it was back in the day, my, you know, I sat on a pony and they walked you up and down, you know, a little grass path. And um, that was it. You know, I mean, that's where I belonged. I knew, you know, that was home to me, you know, from wherever I hailed, as you where I came from, whatever planet dropped me down here, Do you- I, I was on a horse. Do you feel like they're your spirit animal? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's, a throw, that's a softball question. Well, I mean, but, 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 but listen, like I am, I am, I'm not, not that I'm not a horse guy or a horse person. I love horses. They're majestic. They're beautiful, amazing creatures. But what is it like? What, what, what is it about these incredible animals oh, that just, that, that just, that just, that you feel such an, uh, a, a, a spiritual attachment to? So let me explain who the horse is to, Please. to us. So we understand that's what happened to me. So it, it, in conclusion to the first question was, yes, that's where I started riding. Yes, I had to have a horse. Yes, I had to have a pony for, for every holiday. And so when I was 13, I was gifted a horse by my parents. So that's the end of there that. But, but horses are man's mirror. They are sentient beings. I mean, if you think there is no other um, animal on the planet that has a relationship between man and um, animal the way a horse does. Since existence, right? Since existence, human existence, pretty much. Oh my God. Horses, horses walk the journey of man from the, the onslaught of civilization. This country and our global civilization was built on the back of a horse. Built on horses. Absolutely. It was founded on horses. It was built on horses. I mean, they were the, I mean, think about the term horsepower. Where do you, where, oh I mean, where, where'd that, where'd that come from? But talk about the, talk about the, 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 the spirit and the personality. Listen, some animals, not all animals have personality depending, but horses are, are notorious for really being such unique individuals. Talk to us about that connection with, with horses and how do you, how do you get, for, for anyone who's new to the horse, how do you get to know a horse? How do you get to know a horse's personality? So here, here's what I, here's what I know. Here's what I think. Here's what I know. Horses, horses and humans have the same essence, the same soul, the same, the same scent sensitivity. That is why they're used for all of the therapeutic programs that they are. I mean, there are thousands of programs, veterans program, handicapped children, mm-hmm. rehabilitation programs. Um, there's the WIP program, wild horse inmate programs. 
I mean, because they mirror back, they feel what we feel. We feel what back to them, what they, they feel. So where do you find a horse? How do you see a horse? Well, it depends where you live. I mean, the, the sad truth and the reality is that through technology, so, so if you look back in history, Horses were, I mean, we would not have survived without a horse. They're how we got around everywhere. They were our compatriots, our companions. They were friends to us for everything. Um, And then through the onset of technology, as they helped us build railroads and buildings and cities and towns, and as all as, as they helped us create that, they also lost their place with us because then we didn't need them for the obsolete. Well, we think we didn't, we don't need them. And that's where we are. We think we don't need them, but we always need them. And maybe what we need them for is something different. Then yeah, so let's, let's let's pause on that because I definitely want to get to it. So I would love if you could enlighten everyone on the the conflict around wild horses and, and maybe set up a little historical. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, this entire country pretty much was was horseland. And like with all the other like the, the bisons and everything, all the wild animals that were out there, we continue to tighten around it with cities and industries and the suburbs, you know, expanding out there and their natural habitats were lost. Um I would love if you could share a little bit of background on on wild horses and why it's so important that we continue to uh, preserve and conserve. Okay, well, now you've just opened a big old can of worms. Uh, right yeah, I, sometimes as a little podcasting tip, sometimes it's okay because a guest is an expert and that's why we have experts on the show and we open it up and I'd love for you to enlighten my audience. Okay, well, first I want you to notice my cup because I'm really just a girl. Who loves horses? Simple as that. When it comes down to it at the end, Amanda is just a girl who loves horses. I am just like anybody else. I just love horses. Some girls like their Prada bags. (laughs) I just like my horses. Um, Okay. So I want to thank you for um, asking me that very loaded question. And let me explain to you. Um, so first, I want to say, you know, that earth science, are you smarter than a fifth grader? <laughs> I, I never am. But um, let me take you back a little bit to earth science. I'm just my adding my audio back. Oh, yeah. my God. Wayne's world. Yes. <laughs> so let me um, let me take us back. And I want to uh, give credit where credit is due. All of my education as of late comes from my Dr. Ross McPhee, my dear, dear friend, and he is the science advisor for Canada Foundation. He is the senior curator of the mammalogy department at the American Museum of Natural History. So there is some credibility. So he knows his shit. He knows his shit. Okay. He does. So there's credibility to my knowledge. Um, So Let's go back to the evolution of the planet. The horse evolved in North America. That is a scientifically backed fact. And other animals evolved over in Siberia, Mongolia, like the mammoth, the bison, the hairy rhino, and connecting the Yukon, North America up. Let's go back to the Yukon. And then there's there's Asia and Russia was the Beringia, the Bering Land Bridge. And it's the size of Texas. And it connected our two um, locations. 
right? And so what happened was the horse evolved here, other animals evolved there, and they were backing and forthing across the Bering Land Bridge. And as they went back and forth over the bridge, animals would disperse and travel, mm -hmm. right? The globe. And um, man, we evolved in Africa, but we evolved and made our way and migrated around the world as well. So migration and dispersal and diversity happened through all species around the globe. And what happened was the Bering Land Bridge then, what would happen is during the Ice Age, it would be up because it was frozen and then there and was then crossing. And then it would melt when the ice age dissip dissipated away. And then there was no bearing land bridge. So there was no way to cross back and forth. And the horse crossed or was crossing over, took thousands of years, right? And they dispersed throughout Europe, Asia, and all around the globe. But something happened here during that time where they, in 10,000 BC, they say it was the great extinction. And many animals here died out. The mammoth here died out. They they believed the horse had died out and other animals. And, no, and scientists today can't agree why. They couldn't agree if it was due to um, planetary change of the weather, or whether they were hunted to extinction by man. But however it was, there was evidence. They could not find evidence of late survival of horses. Then the conquistador in 1492 sailed their ships over to the Americas and in the hull of the ship were horses because you can go anywhere without your horse. It's like you couldn't travel without a car. Right. And then they brought horses to the shores here of North America. So the government says that the horses that came in the hulls of the ship are not horses that evolved in North America, that they're a different species. Hmm. So horses here in this country are invasive and they are treated as such. Invasive species are destructive. But what we know from late current science and the foundation, my foundation has been supporting all of this scientific research that Ross has been working on with his colleagues, specifically at McMaster University in Canada, is that the horses that came with the conquistador are the same species of horse that left. Right. They're the same. And we are now finding evidence of late survival of horses, that horses did not all die out and that they are here. So in essence, they are native. Got it. Okay. And I want everyone to uh, thank uh, Amanda for that podcast science lesson, which I am fascinated <laughs> by. I hope I didn't uh, lose no, the audience. I, no, not at all. And, and, I, and, and so let's just talk about why, let's just talk about some numbers out there. Like how many wild horses are left in North America? Is there a rough estimate? And where's their main concentration? Yeah. So let me explain. So let me just take two steps back Please. to explain what's happened. Okay. So so there's the big discussion over horse. So, so years, many, many years ago, so horses were now roaming free in the American West and they were everywhere. 
and people would hunt them. It was horrifying. Mm. They were Mustangers. There's actually that movie with Marilyn Monroe, The Misfits, and there's a horrible scene in there where they're chasing after a wild horse, and they rope it and capture it, and they haul it up onto the back of a truck, and they would sell them for dog food. Right. And actually... Um, they were used raw, the raw horse meat was used to feed zoo animals here. So um, what happened was um, uh, my, my um, idol, her name is Velma Johnson, or to us, she was known as Wild Horse Annie. She fought for the rights of these amazing animals. They were always referenced as Mustangs because that's what the conquistador called their horses. And in 1971, the Wild Horse and Burrow Act was created, and it was meant to protect these wild horses and give them a place, give them lands to call home. And those were what we call herd management areas, specific amounts of land throughout right. the Western Plains states. And all that has happened in the 50 years since the act has been procured is just fighting over the resources of the land and it is a, it's political it's political it's a, it absolutely is political it is so, and, and and there's such a there's such a there's such a need for this i mean it's not just the history of our of our i mean it is it's the history of our country and project protecting right. these majestic animals so let's again hit the rewind button and i'd love to understand the 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 roots of forming the canna foundation and what was potentially what was one of those early challenges that you faced and had you overcome it um, so, uh, gosh, 15 years ago, I, I've ridden horses. I, I had show horses. I was living my very, um, charmed, very fortunately, I had a charmed life. I always, you know, I always try to help anybody I can, cause it's kind of in my nature. I'm, I like to see, you know, equality. It's, it's a thing for me. And, um, one day I received an email 15 years ago from a rescue out east talking about um, a pregnant mare and some horses that she had just gone to the kill buyers, the slaughterhouse, mm -hmm. the auction house to, um, you know, to rescue. And she was looking for money. And I was just horrified. What are you, what are you talking about? Slaughter is not legal. Horse slaughter is illegal in this country. So what could she be talking, yeah, about? talking about? So I reached out to the woman made a fast trip out there and only to learn that these are horses that are mandated to live lives here are rounded up and um, many of them are sold to auction houses that really sell horses to kill buyers and they drive them over the Canadian and Mexican borders ah. and they are slaughtered for meat ah. and sent overseas to Europe and Asia for for a, a meat market so That's i crazy. couldn't yeah it's the way that they disposed of horses race horses ex show horses camp horses Har horrifying horrifying so that was my aha moment where so I, I have said, to do something about this i have this the means i have purpose. the passion this is your this is your purpose so as, yeah. as I, as I, as I asked earlier, I mean, starting a foundation is not as, it's not easy. It's a, it's an uphill battle for, for most folks out there. What was one of those early challenges that you faced from, from, from actually getting the organization off its feet, from building, you know, your, your, your tribe, from building your supporters, for raising funds and actually having strong influence? Well, I can tell you right now, 
the first thing was the, the biggest challenge of all was to get people interested to hear about this. It was horrifying. And here I was just needing to share this horrifying information to people. And people were like, wow, that's terrible. Okay, what are you having for lunch? Yeah. What are you gonna do about it? Yeah. And I kept saying, but listen, that's, you know, these animals, we wouldn't be here today. The most shocking thing that I had to overcome in the beginning was the fact that the horse show world, the people that I spent every day with, I, that have horses, that love their horses, didn't care, did not care. And actually, many, many of these trainers are part of the problem because when they need their client's horse that has no longer, they can make money off of because it's broken or lame. They need a place to dispose of them. So they're part of the problem. Yes. The major contributor to the, to the problem. I'd like to take a moment and introduce you to a great new cookware line that I love, Caraway. I recently had the founder, Jordan Nathan, on the show to share his story and what makes Caraway different than other cookware out there. They are on a mission to craft well-designed home goods that thoughtfully raise the standards of what you cook with. Simply put, their products are designed to make your life easier and healthier. And Caraway is setting the new standard for healthy cooking by creating products with no harmful chemicals. They're ceramic coated, aluminum core cookware is free of PTFE, lead, and other toxic materials. Its ceramic surfaces are naturally slick, meaning minimal oil and cleaning. Trust me. The cookware looks great too and is very design forward, available in five shades, and double as decor in your home. They're also committed to being eco-friendly in design, production, and sustainable packaging. We love Caraway in our home, and I'm sure you will too. Visit shop.carawayhome.com. That's C-A-R-A-W-A-Y home.com and use promo code podcast 20 to save on your first order. Thanks. So how does the foundation work to both educate and, you know, maybe sometimes a little bit more of a forceful hand in, in, in eradicating that practice? So what I realized through the journey, so, you know, I never gave up. Well, I always give up. Every month I'm, I quit my job because I don't think I'm good enough at this and, and I don't do my horses justice. And then I wake up the next morning and I say, well, never mind. I'm back. I only quit it, for a day. I only quit for a night. I can do this. I have why, a new is it, why though? Is that because you're so passionate and you put uh, you know, all your emotion and your heart out there that if something doesn't work out, if something doesn't go the right way, I mean, do you feel personally responsible for that? that I do. That, that, Adam, that failure? Adam. The world is very changing. Perception and consensus is not an easy task. And people getting the attention of people to explain to them why horses matter is an arduous life. And especially in the high, I mean, let's just be very like, you know, you're, you're obviously all the way to one side passionate about it, but to the common Common folks out there, horses aren't at the top of their passion list. So when it comes to politics, when it comes to lobbying, I mean, that has to be a tremendous uphill battle. Oh, con continual uphill battle. But I'm going to explain why everybody should care about horses. There's a very simple, so that's, so the 15 years I've been doing this, the same way it has been my path to find the solution to save our animals has been my personal journey 
to my personal empowerment because now I don't know if your viewers can see my we'll make this a video clip. Yep. Okay. It says badass. So this has been my journey to figure out how, you know, my personal self-empowerment and what I'm really made out of so I can be that person for the cause. And what I have realized through the journey and where we are today is the horses, all of the things you say, historically, our friends, all the good things, all of these things. Yes, that's great. But there is a bigger, more important purpose to the horses today. They may not be as necessary as they were in the beginning of time, but they are a major contributor. They are little carbon sinks. Mm -hmm. And physiologically, they are a part of the natural system and the functions that they perform can help us create rewilding natural environmental systems to help with carbon sequestration, help eradicate climate breakdown. And, and how much of that is an offset of the cattle industry? Cattle, yeah, it's the opposite. It's the, it's the, it's the opposite, right? Oh no, I don't God. think people realize the cows are freaking, those, those are, they are just polluters. It, little methane emitting cattle farting i hate yep. to say it that way yeah I mean, no they're emitting gases that are not, not great their fault. i feel sorry for them they're the cows so like i was born this way what are you trying oh. to get on me for sorry i have like what do they have like five six stomachs i don't even know what they have right yeah, the they're four stomachs they're rumen i mean it's just i mean and it's not Poor their cows. fault and they are so abused and tortured by the industry it's just horrible but the reality is Cattle ranching, oil fracking, drilling, lithium mining, uranium, mm -hmm. these alone, along with, and then wait, when you have cattle ranching, you of course need cropland to build GMOs, mm -hmm. gen genetically modified. It goes foods. on, on. It's, it's, a, it's a vicious cycle. It's a vicious pattern. Yeah, so, and, and what's happened is the government has decided to use our horses as the scapegoat for the land. So for the last 50 years, primarily, I want to say the last 20, it's been ramping up. And then this, the last two years, the government rounds up the, the horses. They're supposed to manage the number of horses on right. the land appropriately so that the horses survive and the, and the range is healthy. But that's not possible when the range is abused for ranching leases and oil and all the other factors, right? right. All the other takes, that, the grabs, wait, the land grabs. Adam, that you, by the way, your audience, the taxpayers are paying for $120 million of your federal tax dollars is spent to manage the wild horse program so that other people, corporations, the 1% of the 1% can, can benefit and profit. That's terrible. Let's actually talk about that a little bit. Back in 2018, the Canna Foundation hosted the first annual bipartisan legislative panel at the Hamptons Classic Horse Show. Let, yeah. let, let's talk about how do you gain by, especially in this insane polarized world, how do you gain bipartisan support on an issue that should be not political? Like, like I mean, I say, right. in theory, it shouldn't be political, but right. it is obviously because you just talked about anything that once you start talking about money and corporations, of course it is. 
So <clears throat> I have had the um, good fortune to work with uh, former Congressman Steve Israel. He, I met him many years ago in the beginning when I first started this work. Um, I met him, I was speaking actually on a a panel for horse slaughter <clears throat> that the ASPCA had. And um, he was an animal person. And I said, I, Congressman, would you meet with me? I have a, a, an idea that I want to talk to you about that um, will help the wild horse crisis issue in, in Washington and help the federal taxpayer. Mm -hmm. And that was rewilding. That were these rewilding initiatives that allowing the horse to, as a native species, to do these things, will rebuild these environmental systems. And we can build socioeconomic opportunities to underserved communities through these initiatives, through na native communities, private lands, and all of this. So we started working together, and he is an amazing, right. amazing man. And he is, he's a bipartisan leader, and people respect him. So he, you know, I was under his uh, tutelage. He is my mentor. He introduced me, and 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 I, and I can tell you, it was not easy. Many times meeting certain congressional members that that were, you know, from certain states, Did, and hearing them. Because they say, "Why? Why does this matter to me? Why does this matter to my uh, constituents?" Right? Is that is that why, or is it? Hey, that's what they're telling no. you. But we know it comes down Thank to you. money and influence, and and who's lobbying who. Well, because certain red states are you know, cattle ranching and um, oil that's fracking and drilling. I mean, that's- But that's amazing. our industry and they employ many, many people. So, I mean, you have to- Correct. You have to, Correct. I mean, we're not saying that you don't understand it, but it's it's one of those things. It's just the reality of it. And, and, and even more reason why we have to talk about the importance of saving these wild horses and championing for the ones that are also, you know, uh, in captive. Adam, thank you for saying that. And I'm going to give you a word. And the word is balance. And here's what I have learned. We as humans, we live with manifest destiny. Mm -hmm. We believe that everything, we have the right to everything. And you can't tell me, Adam, that in your experience, people don't behave in that way. Oh, 100%. I mean, it's a, it's it, it's a, every extreme. We're talking okay. extreme greed and even just more innocent, just the way we live our lives. So, I mean, if we go back to history and I mean, from the beginning of time through the evolution in our most primitive state, we just conquered and took everything. The extinction of species, you know, lands, Native location. American lands, which we'll get to in a second. Yep. Well, that's OK. So that's where I'm going. I mean, so manifest that's where destiny, I was going. <laughs> uh, we, we, we're on the same track. That's, so, that's what so we do imagine, here. <laughs> so, right, so then just imagine here we are and we invite people from Europe, right, from overseas and say, hey, come here. We'll give you land Where's if land you want to develop out there. First of all, we're giving away what doesn't belong to us. Right. We're inviting people yeah. over to come take this land. Life. That's not ours to give you in the first place that we're yeah. just gonna you know rape and pillage and kill and murder these yeah. in indigenous yeah. folks well but okay but we want you to come and do that for us and then we'll give you a parcel i mean the whole thing so that imagine that that's that's what happened so it's no different today it's no different today so there's no balance of nature and mm -hmm. resources 
the more the better. The more money we can take, the more resource we can suck out of the land, the richer, the better. And I will say that middle America and and, and the people of this country are humping and paying for everything on their taxes and their backs. Okay, not to and it is and on the and the American people are suffering, nature is suffering, animals are suffering, and in turn we have pandemics. So I want to I want to I want to close a chapter on this part of the conversation here. What could the everyday person do in their everyday lives to support the cause? So um, if you believe, if you are concerned about climate change, climate breakdown. Um, You're concerned about nature. You're concerned you want to see your children, your grandchildren have nature around you because nature is is what we need. We need need to be healthy. We need to be healthy. If that is something that you are, you can see validity in, what we need to do is we need to take an interest. You need to try to read things or see what's current or happening um, news-wise. And you need to vote for decision makers, legislators that are going to support environmental causes, environmental motivations, actions, and want to see EPA regulations, want to help save wild horses, want to help Canna Foundation go to Washington and bring the message forward. We are saving horses, we are rebuilding environmental systems, and we are building educational programs for young children to learn the truth. That that is, I think that's so critical too, and I feel like it's something that's just been lost. I mean, most kids, correct me if I'm wrong here, they only hear about either the history of horses from their books in the Wild West, and uh, you know, crossing the Mississippi, or it's at the local petting zoo, or you know, some kind of I don't know contrived situation. They're not seeing wild horses, right? They're not they're not having that opportunity. Many people don't. Where I mean, where are some of these beaches where people could actually go see wild horses? So I, I know when you talk about beaches, I'm sorry, beaches. I mean, I mean where's some of the areas? Virginia. So go out to the American yeah. West. Outer Banks, right? Yep, Outer West. That, mm-hmm. Right. That's. But go to the American West. Go to Colorado. Go to Nebraska. Go to Wyoming. You know, the mainstay of the horses have been on herd management areas in the Nevada area and Arizona. You know impossible terrain for horses that were specifically started on grassland, but they adapt and they, they adapt managed, and evolved. Yep. Yes. To evolve and survive. That's they what happens in nature. Global species. Think about it. Who would we be as people? Who would we be if we lost our wild, our, no. our, our sense of freedom? They represent from yeah. the representation side of our That's life. Do you want, wait, do you want your child, Adam? To read about wild horses only in a book? No, absolutely not. It's about you know uh, they're part of our history and they should never they should never go. Um, just a quick little side note there. I mean, I, I talking about Dr. Simon Mills, who was our conduit here. He's another conduit. <laughs> he's another conduit the, with the illustrious. He's a, he's another conduit with with Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. If anyone's not familiar with the show Yellowstone, I implore you to watch the show Yellowstone. Amanda, are, are you a fan of Yellowstone? Do you watch Yellowstone? Well, I am a fan of Yellowstone for only one reason. So Moses Brings Plenty, mm-hmm. who is who is on Yellowstone, has been a partner of mine, and we've done many great things together. 
So um, he is a Lakota spiritual leader. He is a an incredible, beautiful, spirited soul. And uh, we we rescued, freed lots of horses, had several adventures together. We, my wife and I, we Yellowstone is not just one of our favorite shows, but I put it in in one of the best shows of all time. I mean, it's a it's a it's a movie. Each episode is a movie, and Kevin Costner, the entire cast, highly recommend it. And also the way they portray the the horses are the stars of that show. I mean, yes. there's been a couple episodes in last season where literally they open up on just horses. Adam, you really want to hear Mo speak about. I will the sidebar horses. this. Is. The horses. We, and we the will side. We, we, we will. We will. We will. We will sidebar in that. So I want to talk about the the book for a little bit. Uh, your book. Your book, Born to Rewild, about your experiences. A question that I love to ask every author: What did you learn about yourself in the journey of actually writing the book? Um. Quite honestly, the thing that I learned was I. I think it enabled me to have a little bit more respect for myself. Hmm. I am very awesome. hard on myself and always feel that I'm not doing enough and I'm not working fast enough. And the horses are dying every day because the government is rounding them up and, and they're, they're being sent to slaughter and horse ba babies, colts are breaking their legs as helicopters oh. chase them down. But when I wrote the book and I looked back and read it however many times, I realized that I accomplished more than I thought I had. I love that. Right. And, and, that's such a and through that, and it, it, you know, it gave me some peace and motivate and more drive to keep going. Right. It's a balance of it's cathartic to get the process out. And then it's also rewarding. You look back at your accomplishment and be like, I. I, I wrote this and it's great yeah. and it's a story and it's a journey and it's going to help empower people. Here. Who, who's the book for? The book is for everybody, everybody. And the part and the thing about the book that I wanted it to be. And um, it's just if, if you met me and I invited you to lunch or a cup of coffee I want you to feel like we're just sitting and chatting and I want you to get to know me. And it's for everybody. I if, love it. if it's something, if, if you're interested in, you know, you, you feel lost, you can't find yourself, you know, read the adventures of this crazy woman and, and realize that, you know, anything is possible and you <laughs> can do anything you want only if you try. If it. you are environmentally driven, if you are a horse or an animal advocate, if you like politics and you want to learn about the politic the politics around this wild horse crisis with the Department of the Interior and the Bureau of Land Management and federal tax dollars. You know, it has a little bit of everything. If you like yeah. science, there's there's so many angles to it. There's so many there's so many angles to it. And, and we'll, we're going to link it up in the uh, in the show notes for everyone to check it out. So I want to bring it home here. Um, but before I bring it home to the to the the go to podcast questions here, um, when I was doing my research, uh, I caught a clip of an interview on with Fox's Rosanna Scott, someone who has been. So Rosanna <laughs> Scott, I mean, let me let me get this in a second. Let me say this. So I've literally I mean, I've been watching Rosanna Scott on Fox 5 News here in New York for as long as I can remember, you know, back when she was a Greg Kelly. New, Rosanna Scott, it's New York staple. So there was a segment you were on and I'll, I'll let you tell the story. What did the horse do to Rosanna? 
or on Rosanna. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you, Adam. Oh, we don't mess around on the podcast. We get to the deep stuff. We uh <laughs> Okay, okay. So <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, uh-huh. we're, uh-huh. so I was invited um, on uh, Fox Five with Rosanna, and I was invited with Pila. Pila is my horse. He is he's our our representative. He's a travel size companion. He is a Nakota horse. Nakotas are from uh, North Dakota, and interestingly, their lineage stems back to um, Sitting Bull's original. Her band of horses. So um, we were in the suite. We traveled into the city, and there I am standing on the street in front mm-hmm. of the studio. And she was incredibly gracious and wonderful. She and is. She is. She gave us really. I had almost six minutes. She gave us a nice amount of time to chat and and share the information. And she was very supportive of the work. And so at the end of the clip. You know how, so she steps over and she's petting the horse and, you know, she's, she looks beautiful. She had a coat on, but she was in um, a dress with her beautiful stiletto shoes and she's petting the horse and she is now introducing the next segment, right? I had finished and you know how they say, and the transition, we come back, mm-hmm. right? You know, lining up the next and she's petting him and all of a sudden, I see him kind of step up a little bit on his toes as they they do when they have to pee, go to the bathroom. And the next thing I see, she's screaming, running past me, running over me. <laughs> and I hear water splashing. <laughs> and she he is had to go to the bathroom and it's splashing all over her oh my stiletto God. shoes. So Pila, and- Pila really lived up to his name. <laughs> well, maybe, <laughs> but it was unbelievable, Did- and it was caught on video oh because well, they, of course, cut it for for network, and um, it went viral. You can see it yep. on if you look up TMZ. Yep, or- and 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 that's just a. But she took it in stride, right? She I she mean, was incredible. She's a pro. She's a pro. So let's bring it home here, um, Amanda. What is the single greatest piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on every day of your life? Single greatest piece of advice that I take action on every day of my life was given to me by former Congressman Steve Israel. And he says, stay in your lane, stay the course, stay in your lane, because I was veering all over to do 50,000 things all the time. And he always kept me to the straight and narrow. And, that, and that's great advice too. And just to compound on top of that, you know, you have a superpower. And if you could keep that focus of your superpower, you could do more good by staying in your lane and having more influence. So with that being said, Amanda, what is your superpower? What do you do better than almost anybody on this planet that makes you who you are? Well, I could probably sell you on anything. And that's my superpower. Give me five minutes, spend five, five minutes with me and you will understand everything, who I am, why it matters, why it's important. And, you know, we will be friends and I can do that. I, I can express it. myself in a way that encompasses, because we're equal, we're all the same. I'm no better, no less, no different mm-hmm. than you or anybody else. 
We all work together. We're all the same people. And I come from that place. And I come from a place in my heart that is true. And, and that's who I am. I come from truth. I appreciate you sharing this. I love it. And, and last but not least, you look back on your life and your journey and you think about those tough times when, and, and you continue to have those tough times in fighting what you are so passionate for. And in the same breath, you look back and with gratitude and just, wow, look how, look how much I've affected. Look at all the change. Look at all the positive good. Manda, what keeps you focused in life? What is your compass? Manda, what is your North Star? Um, my, my North star to keep me going on my journey here for my, 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 uh, path is the fact that if I don't do this, who will? And every time, you know, it's very emotional for me, you know, nothing is more important or equally important as my, my family of course, my kids and, and to be the best person I can be as a role model for my children. And in doing so, I always remind myself, if I don't stay the course, if I don't represent the value of the horse and the, and, and the importance of them in our life today for the bigger piece for our environmental sustainability, who will? And that is my North Star. Amanda, that is your legacy. And thank you for being the voice of these majestic animals and championing for them and really hopefully influencing others that will follow your footsteps and continue down the journey. And uh, I'm sure you're you're doing that. I mean, you could feel the passion. You could hear the passion out there. Um, if anybody wants to uh, check out more, please go to canafoundation.org. I'm going to link it up in the show notes. Amanda, where else could people connect with you? Where could they learn more? Canafoundation.org or buy the book Born to Rewild. Yes, and have the book, the audio version of it, um, or reach out at the info at canafoundation.org. I personally answer all my emails. I'd love to hear from you. I want questions. I love when people ask me questions. I love when people want input. Um, I'm, I, I, you know. I love Come on. Yes, I engage. Check go. it out. If you have anything, any passion, if you want to learn more, definitely check it out. Manda, hang with me for one moment here as I sign off. Do not go anywhere yet. Um, this has been an interesting episode because it's a little bit different than what most of my listeners are used to. And I think that's really what's important about these podcasts is to bring you different stories, different viewpoints, different causes out there. And hey, listen, if it piques your interest, please check it out. That's what it's all about. So remember, if you want to find out more, all past episodes you could go to the podcast.com follow us on all the social media channels remember take care of each other look out for one another and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast take care everybody wisdom is forever but for us it's time to go thank you for joining us luckily we'll be back with our next episode soon jam-packed with more incredible humans thank you for listening subscribing and sharing to join the conversation search the podcast on linkedin and to catch up on past episodes and more info please visit www.thepausecast.com <laughs>